we're back after a much enforced delay. Uh, yes. I'm Andrew. I am Rolf Baines. And you're listening to the Stardom Podcast. The heavy breathing in the background is not because we're excited at coming back after quite some time away, but we're in the Turnbull Towers. We have canine correspondent Susie lurking around. What have you got to say for yourself, Susie? Couldn't have said it better myself. And of course, we always have uh, Phil, the silent member here. What's you got to say for yourself, Phil? I couldn't agree more. Well, it's, it's nice that we can kick off, because just prior to recording this, uh, I was handing over a true friend gift from Phil. It's true. Um, it was a good true, a true friend gift, although it's a, it's a Transformers mug. Yes. And on one side is the Autobot logo, and the other side is the Decepticon logo. So you can sort of do the theme tune as you, as you turn the, the mug around. Sadly, this noise doesn't come with it. Indeed. What's that, Andy? This is the little box from the 25th anniversary Optimus Prime, which uh, I had to sprint to the house to stop have, stop the postie putting a while you're out card in and not leaving it with me. It's true, one of the joys of Christmas, for this is the Christmas special, Yes, um, is that uh, you get things delivered to you on a Sunday. So Turnbull leaped like a gazelle to go and get his, his uh, reissue Optimus Prime, which I was kind of indifferent about. I remember seeing it once, once in Birmingham five years ago when it came out and going ah I don't want that I've already got an Optimus Prime oh it's not got the DVD that the American one's got oh arse cheeks arse cheeks little did I know it had this fantastic uh, sound box in it press it again that's just so good Well, here's the one I try. And you also get a free Optimus Prime with toy with it. Which is always a good thing, I feel. But yeah, you, you totally should go up town and just like walk up behind people uh, with this big bulging thing on your uh, well, on your belt there, and and uh, you know. For the for the benefit of audio, I should point out it doesn't clip on like a like a belt buckle. It hangs on like those horrible mobile phone cases that people have on their belt clips. Yeah, you know those people. It's good law, it makes you look like a man about town. Yeah. You know, you just, I go, should. just go I'm sure the ladies will swarm to you. You go up behind them in the in the Argos queue and you go, Oh, I walked over wow and they'll see the big bulge on your on your belt and they'll go, Oh, there's there's a man. Yeah, I could have. Tell you what, I'll take my Thor hammer along with me as well. You should have you seen the new Thor hammer? No. It's very exciting. Um obviously Thor two, the Dark World, uh, was released in cinemas a while ago. And I've only seen the figures in Forbidden Planet, but in, in regular real toy shops, it's got a new hammer, and it's called the, the I think it's called the Electric Lightning Storm Hammer, and so it's got like a little panel on, on the side of it, and little lightning flashes on it, does when it you make, make the noise. Does it have the little projectile at the top? It does not have the little projectile, it has, it has the, that lightning flash display instead of a projectile. Should have had both. It should. Maybe for, for, maybe for Thor 3 and Avengers 2. Yeah. hope so. Indeed. Merry um, Christmas! Yeah, so that was my, one of my gifts to me, just replacing toys that seem to have vanished, either been given away to other people or donated to Toy Food. No, they were, so you stopped coughing in disgust. I don't think she approves of you getting rid of your old Optimus Prime. I don't think it was intentional. Uh, I'm it not saying it was intentional. Obviously, you'll have to be acquire a G2 Optimus Prime. Yes, yes, of course. Yes. For, I do have for, the, for the proper sandbox. For, I do have Combat Hero and Lady. Oh, Optimus Prime. Anyway. Yeah, so, yes. that's it. Uh, so as I said before, we, well, now Ralph had this little mug, but we also have uh, another true gift, true friend gift for Ralph. Ralph. Now, I should preface this, it is handily wrapped, which I'll let Ralph discuss the wrapping. Yes, it's, um, 
It's uh, it's it's Disney wrapping, I think. It's um, Goofy. Yep. Goofy there. We got Mickey Mouse, the mouse with no personality at all. Minnie Mouse, who also has no personality, um, doing stuff. It's uh, a lovely shiny red. I should point out, this isn't a Christmas gift, Ralph. I have actually, Ralph has already been given his proper Christmas gift. From it's the a nice shiny thing. silver on it. It's, yeah. quite, it's quite inviting. Now, there's a, shake it, there's no noise. There's a purpose for this gift. Is there? Yes. Now, uh, this is, was done in collusion with the silent member. Hello, Phil. Oh, uh, the reason being is, we, uh, the three of us, along with a friend of ours called Mark McVeigh, and administer the TMUK forum. And we have a thing on the general discussion thread where we're basically, each week has a new thread so you can just kind of touch base about what crap's going on in the week. Helps keep the place a little bit tidy and keep tabs on it. Now the convention is, the first person to post gets to name the thread each week. Now you're not supposed to name the week thread until the week starts. However, a certain someone in this room who now has a shiny box in his hand keeps doing it Sunday night around 10 o'clock. No, I've only done it about twice. And the other five times. I didn't do it last week. I was awake at 10 o'clock and I was the only person on the forum at the time other than guests. You know, there was the only named yeah. person there and I could have I could have done it and I didn't because it's Christmas time. So, uh, as a result of that, we had said that, that Ralph would, would, would receive an appropriate true friend as a result. Not happy. What was I supposed to do? Open your true friend package. Okay. Well, would you go. like some scissors? Well, I'm a man. I don't need scissors. We found there's a box. There's yes. a cardboard box. Actually, hang on a second. That's got your name on it. That's because that means it's for you. No, it's cl- no, I don't see my name on it. Uh, the reason why is I bought the true friend and gift. I now require scissors because this this brown box, this box, it's the colour of a turd. Um. Okay, I'm now inserting. The, it says fragile, so I have to be very careful here. Um, look at the sound for that makes it even better. There we go. I have opened one lid. I'm inserting the uh, the scissors again. Open the other lid. It's very exciting. There we go. There's something red inside. Red for death, probably. Oh, fuck off! <laughs> fuck off! When Alexander the Great wept because he knew there were no more worlds to conquer, he felt like this. This is taking it too far. <laughs> See when you have a joke, right, and you, you've done the joke before, and then you think, you know what, I'm going to do the joke again. This is from collectorsbuddy.com, uh, where there's a, an idiot with glasses is thanking me for his custom. I can see what's inside this. I've explained before, <laughs> I've explained before in this podcast how Star Wars, Star Wars is good. We all like Star Wars, don't we? Yes, Except we do. for the ones that don't count. We all like Return of the Jedi, don't we? Yep. Why is that? Because Admiral Ackbar is in it. And also the Ewoks. And, and the Ewoks. You've got the Emperor doing his, doing his thing at the time when that was kind of new. You've got a second Death Star. You've got... Friggin Jabba's Palace. Jabba's Palace. The venomous pit of the Sarlacc from which pain and suffering for quite a long time happens. Got all that. And the Rancor. The Rancor. The... the, the Overweight chap who looks after the Rancor and cries. Rancor Keeper, that's his name. <laughs> Although he probably has a full backstory on the Star Wars Expanding I'm Universe. I'm going to Wikipedia to check that. We could actually go to Wikipedia to All check right. that. Look that up while I'm talking about this. Where's, right. where's the poser I don't know where the poser phone. Ah, yeah. So, anyway, as you said before, there was the Millennium Falcon, right? The Millennium Falcon, the fastest ship in the galaxy. 
the, the Kessel Run and all that pish, right? It's a great ship. Lando takes it over. Now, when he goes to take on the Death Star, does he take Chewbacca with him? Dependable Chewbacca, who can help to fly the ship properly. No, he takes fucking num Nyam Yum, or Numbnuts as we call him. And it, he, he is AIDS. He's AIDS beyond AIDS. It's absolutely dreadful. And previously on this bloody podcast, I've been given vintage Numbnuts, uh, reissue Numbnuts, and another one in sealed packaging. I've now been given an extra five of the fuckers. Five of them to shove up my arse repeatedly. Just to get that feeling of what it's like to have an enema, which is probably more enjoyable. Not that I have one. There we go. Oh, and there we are. Five of them. Five of them. Although one of them does have some horrific facial damage. <laughs> Makes them. Oh dear. Um. Yeah. Wow. Thanks, everyone. That's great. Because Christmas is a time for giving. It's true. Does, however, have some very nice bubble wrap. <laughs> Let's just pop some of this. Oh. Better off, oh, bubble wrap won't last as long yeah. as the five of them. That's the good stuff, that is. I like bubble wrap. Uh, the record keeper's name is called Malakili, and he was on, he's born in Karelia. Uh-huh. What's he done with his life then? Uh, he was uh, he was fascinated by wild animals and wished he could dedicate his life to take care of them. Mm. Came involved with Gargon the Hurt Circus Horrificus, travelling and had displayed monstrous creatures throughout the galaxy, which became a professional beast handler and monster trailer. How did he become a professional beast handler? That's a good job title. Yeah. So apart, apart from the beast, he tended all the really crazy beasts, and then, uh, well, he ended up on Narshada and then a slave mm. to the hut. Yeah, because the Circus Horrificus was was sold to Jabba. That's kind of disappointing. Mm. I think after you've experienced the joy of IG88's backstory, where apparently he was everywhere and did everything that ever happened in Star Wars, despite being on screen for about three seconds and Empire Strikes Back, then that's a bit of a come down. He ends up after the uh, he, he goes and frees uh, Jabba's cook from the dungeons, and they go and make a restaurant on Mos Eisley after Return of the Jedi. I like it. it's an obvious career move for them. As a, uh, a circus chap and looking after the animals to open up a restaurant, he, maybe well, he cooked the animals in it. Maybe he no, just went, no, maybe, no, no, maybe he went a bit wrong after the the rancor um, thing happened, and his pet died. He just He's, he, he just went diseased in the head and decided that instead of looking after the animals, he was going to cook them into the bunkers. At which point, I'm sure, IG-88 was plugged into the mainframe of, of the restaurant that he worked in and was sending him little signals through the lights and the sounds to warp his mind even further. Children, because IG-88 was behind everything! Children, I'd like to preface this by never, ever, I repeat, never, ever read IG-88's entry on Wikipedia. Oh, I think you should. It's what I think it's what's like. It's the closest thing to putting down what's on the inside of H.P. Lovecraft's brain. This is the thing that you just weren't meant to know. This you is were. the thing that's beyond human comprehension. No, no, the thing that's beyond human comprehension are the five canons of Star Wars. Oh, G canon and so on. There may uh, be people who don't know about the five canons of Star Wars. Well, I think that's kind of all. There now must be six now with it. With Disney taking over, surely. Shit, you're D-canon. right. They're going to have to, right? It'll be D canon. There will be D canon. That's right. Yeah. And then, but what about like? Then remember there was the, Disney universe. But then remember there was Star Wars Detours, the comedy cartoon yeah. series that we saw trailers for, and then got binned basically because of the changeover. So would that which would that go in old five canon or would that go in D canon? I'll go in old five canon because I think that's kind of mm. sort of apocrypha now. If you I will. see. Yes. So no, don't ever read it. Seriously, it'll hurt. It, I have seen it nearly make a man cry. We have, yes. 
friend of the podcast, Mr Merrifield, was subjected to it in the pub because he was being wide one day. I mean, just to give a brief overview, because not everyone knows. RGT is a robotic bounty hunter who's briefly witnessed in the lineup of bounty hunters in the Empire Strikes yeah. Back. When he's the kind of cool looking... We don't need those scum. Well done. He's the sort of cool looking uh, pencil shaped robot chap. Uh, who kind of gets a little bit of prominence in the uh, Star Wars multimedia project that had everything bar a film called Shadows of the Empire. Indeed, you may, remember, get, you may remember them from the Marvel Star Wars comic. Yeah. That fantastic panel where he shouted, IGAT, it's coming and burst through a wall. Yeah. Very good. And he's in Tales of the Bounty Hunters, one of the prose books, which is the first where he gets plugged, he plugs himself into the mainframe of the Death Star, and just as it explodes, he yeah. comes. He, he gets full control of the, the station as it detonates. Unfortunate. But there's a whole convoluted thing about how all his body shells and what he's been was doing and it's, it's again can you hear the despair in my voice basically he did everything that happened in Star Wars you just couldn't see him he he used to stop trap the Emperor and lifts just to show he had a bit more power than the dark side Jedi yeah I should he not that's great so back to this box um, of numb nuts can't help but notice that it says fragile with care not handle with care, but just fragile with care. What does that mean exactly? Yeah. <laughs> fragile with care. Is it, does it relate to the person's mind when you open it? Possibly. Because I wouldn't see these are fragile. Your mind, your mental state is now. Mental state is very poor. Yeah. But it's Christmas, so, so we're supposed to have a poor mental state. Yes. And there's another box. There is another box now. This is not one for me. It was this was sent for the startup podcast. Care mm. of me. Yeah. Uh, with the words, do not open till Xmas. Now, unfortunately, we wouldn't be together on Christmas Day, for we have alternate social arrangements at that time. That's true. So, as we're, not, we're not quite at the better than any stage of sharing a bedroom yet. Yeah. That may come. Nah. Poor choice of words. <laughs> you had to bring it to that level, didn't Someone you? Someone out there you was had to make... Well, actually, to be honest, that's probably a good comment to make, because we've now discovered that, thanks to David Cameron's porn block portal... Uh, it's being updated in the UK. The start of the website will be blocked. Yes. Even though there's no actual porn of it of any kind. And again, there's the occasional salty discussion and ongoing comic strips with transforming robots. That's true, but we don't actually have any, well... Porn. Porn. <laughs> we should put some up now. I think we'll If we're going to be blocked, let's be blocked properly. Thank you. Thank I've already started thing. writing Transformers slash fiction on, the, on, um, on Twitter. I ain't drawn any of it. <laughs> just to get in the, just get in the spirit of things, you know? Oh. It's true. What will happen between RC Springer of Dragnus and now Condom? I, I think if we're going to do it, we have to kind of like just do porn parodies where the money is. So we have to do Transformers porn parodies of, of famous things. I'm thinking. I've just had a, I, just had thinking, a horrible thought. I'm thinking two gorts, one cup. Good God. Two gorts, one cup. Come on, people, that's gold. Okay, that is more horrible than a horrible thought I had. It's like, you know, you get. Um, I'm aware. <laughs> from my browsing history <laughs> you know that there, there was a Star Trek and the Next Generation one where they recreated the entire bridge and perfectly. the Avengers porn parody and, and the costumes perfectly and so on there's so the Batman f- porn parody yeah but they filmed it just like an image of like a really like cheap Transformers one where it's just people wearing like Transformer masks and cardboard boxes like walking around walking around like a factory that they pretend is Cybertron and they've just got cardboard boxes, and they go, "Hey, you know, yank my fuel pump, prime," and and dialogue like that. Hmm. I, I 
it could be worse. You could you could extend it to its logical end, and you'd have to have things like power masters. And headmasters is obviously a joke, yeah. so we wouldn't have them in it. We'd have power masters. I know um, where the target masters one goes in, and that involves a porn practice that starts with B. I'm not seeing anything else. You can go Urban Dictionary. I think you should just open the box because this is yeah, starting to disturb. Yeah, we're going to starting to disturb me now. Christmas is a dark, dark time for a lot of people. And, <laughs> So we apologise if we're taking any of you to a, to a bad place right now. So we'll steer, steer back. So I have a nice little cardboard box. It says to the Stardom Podcast, Kane of Andy Turnbull, with my address, which I'm not telling all you people out there, for obvious reasons. 29 Acacia Avenue. That's where Andy lives with Banana Man. That's true. Although, Although we're just friends. Well, that's true, because Andy would never eat bananas because he doesn't take fruit. Which is an evil thing. Right, have you got the box open now? This is thrilling audio, this really is. Oh, it's a newspaper. It's a newspaper bag. Right, let's have a look at the newspaper first. Okay, it's from, what we got? What we got? from the Sun, December 13th. Oh dear. Oh, it looks like it's the showbiz bit. Oh, the really? TV, TV guys. seen some TV guys there. Oh, there's a bit of Doctor Who spoilage oh, in there. Oh. Really? Oh, put it away, I don't want you to know what happens no, in the Christmas special. No, no, it's not. It's someone who tried to make a life-size flying TARDIS. That broke. However, I can't see the opposite page as a Hitler story. <laughs> King may have stopped Hitler. Really? How did he, how did he stop Hitler? Edward Hitler felt he could have prevented World War II if he'd not abdicated an amazing letter reveals. Playboy or all would quit the thought that wed US divorce E. Wallace Simpson muses and that he might have been able to talk Adolf Hitler around. No, you wouldn't have because you were uh, a scumbag, privileged, rich fuck as well. So at least we got some Hitler in there, you know. True. Some more newspaper there. Oh. Right, so it's like an oblong object. Thing. One direction, Jesus. Okay. Right. Right. There we go. What? First off, it sneaked out. A confectionery. What confectionery do we have? Dairy milk. Oh, good land. times. Oh, there's one each. Oh, one each. Oh, Winter Wonderland flavour. Limited edition. Right. More limited ones Three to eat it. That's very good. That's approved. There's no, uh, there's no harm there. It's been done. I'm seeing some books for some kind. <laughs> what, do, what do we have? Oh. Oh. Do we have some quality? We do indeed. We first off have uh, The Man From Uncle. Oh. The Radioactive Camel Affair. Splendid. The Vampire Affair. The Mad Scientist Affair. They all have affairs. Is there, is there no monogamy in this spy world? Apparently not. The world of Napoleon Solo. Um, who can say? And of course... Ottoman. <laughs> There's an Ottoman novel. There, there apparently is. I did not know there was an Ottoman novel. Oh, that's incredible. Let's have a look at that one first. It's a novel by Martin Noble, based on the TV series created by Glenn A. Larson. It's got the dude who played Ottoman looking like an insufferable smug prick on the cover. Does look like a bit of a prick, yeah. Uh, with a little inset photo of uh, I think his creator and all the the rest of the cast. It's a target book. <gasps> that means it's good. No, no, sorry, that means it should be written by Ted and Sticks. It's true. Uncle Ted should have wrote that. So, the high-tech superhero, mild-mannered Walter Nebaker, computer wizard for the Los Angeles Police Department, is a side to him that few suspect. No, he's not a superman in disguise, but he's created a super-being, all-man. Auto-man is a walking, talking extension of Walter's computer. He has all kinds of powers. He can think and move at super speeds. He can appear out of thin air, bullets can't hurt him, he even glows in the dark. So when oh. it comes to human behaviour, he's got a lot to learn. Together, Walter and Otto Man are going to shake up the city and the police department. 
Okay, so here's the thing. If you can think of super speeds, this should be a book that lasts three pages, which is, oh, oh man, there's been a crime commit. Solved. Zoom. Also, there should be a glow-in-the-dark section, I feel. Because it tells me it goes in the dark. So it's based on the the original Teleplay by Glennie Larson. Mm. Uh, so it's got... I do like a book that has a little random excerpt on the first page. Oh, let's let's, let's have the excerpt, excerpt then. Slowly the vapour was taking on the form of a man with the proportions and bearing of a Greek god. <laughs> bright rays of light radiated from him like a shining white aura. He was tall, six foot four at least. What was startling was that while his face, perfect in every detail, was real enough, his body was luminously translucent, as though he were clad in a shining blue grid-like armour, similar to the VDU's graphic display. Through it, were, through it there seemed to be a kind of milky way of twinkling stars, which were impossible to look at for long without turning away, for every star had the brilliance of a laser. The race of light began to spin, and all at once the Adonis came to life. He turned to Walter and regarded him with penetrating blue eyes. Hello, water man, Walter said sheepishly. <laughs> This no, is that's glomic. That's gloriously homoerotic. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I don't even want to think about what happens next to that scene. In all fairness, I really don't think this book's going to top that, that one page. I can't. Where can it go from there, really? Oh. Oh. Well, there's a there's a little three page prologue. Really. Oh. And it reads like it's the voiceover, because I, I do not recall watching... I recall Automan, but I couldn't tell you much of it, because I was a fan of the better show. Yes. Well, we oh, may Auto have Man to go on the internet and find an episode of Automan, then. At some point, yes, we uh, will. To, to perhaps round off this flying episode. That's true. Yes, so... Yes. Oh, Let's have a look at this book here. But he just looks like a git. Oh. He just looks like what Paul Darrow would look like if he wasn't Paul Darrow. That's incredible. 1984... Um, it's wrong. It costs one pound fifty. Uh, yeah, one pound fifty. Wow, that's incredible. By the same author, we can get Private Schultz with Jack Pullman, Bill Shot, and I'm sorry, the fantastically named Bloodbath at the House of Death. Are you are you aware of what Bloodbath is? I am not. Is? I am not. It is a British comedy horror film with Kenny Everett. No. Yes. And a, there's a novelisation of it. it there's a novelisation of a Kenny Everett film. Yeah. That's broken my head slightly, actually. Wow, you, you learn something new every day. Um, I, I'll just read the start of the prologue, because it has like a, like a computer printout. You need to read it in a computer voice. Okay. Subject. <laughs> again. I'll try again, hang on. So the sex offender <coughs> version of Stephen Hawking. No. Subject, Walter, me, Beaker, description, mild mannered computer whiz kid with delusions of becoming a crime fighter. Location, computer section, Los Angeles Police Department. Known associates, Lieutenant Jack Curtis, Roxanne, Caldwell, LAPD, known enemies, Captain E.G. Boyd, Chief of Department, LAPD. Special peculiarity, special peculiarities, Auto Man, and then it goes on to tell you all about. So why is it? Well, I'm sorry. So he's a he's a crime fighter, and he his enemy is the chief of police. Apparently so. It's not a very good crime fighter <laughs> if you're. Even Batman was on a good term with Commissioner Gordon, despite going about beating up poor people. I mean criminals, not yeah. poor people. Uh, he's just an old fashioned street cop, apparently. Uh, lonely, spotty, skinny, thirteen year old, with a body like a stick of celery. Uh, <laughs> There we go. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, the shit life apparently. What a shame. 
Yeah. Um, mm. Although it does have a fabulous uh, double entendre opening line in chapter chapter one. Hey, come on, honey. It's only going to be gone a week, and it could change your whole lives. What's he talking about, we wonder? Uh, I wonder how it ends. Hang on. Let's look at the end in here. Let's spoil it. I'm pretty sure it'll end like the pilot episode. It might not. It might be different. I don't know, a man killed them all. Yeah, he kills them all. Basically, it's a bloodbath. It's amazing. <laughs> Just the autoplane. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, we're going to go on the internet. I think we should go. On, I think we should pause here. Go on the internet, find some auto man, come back and discuss it, and then move on to those three books. Yeah. The Man from Uncles. Yes. Let's do it. So, we'll be back after these short messages. So, um, <laughs> while you were listening to whatever you were listening to there, we went upstairs. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about how uh, those of us um, in, in this country are privileged in certain ways because uh, if you have broadband, that's some computer equipment, or a tablet device, or even a phone of some kind, um, you can into this vast repository of, of knowledge, you can decide there's an old TV show or film or, or a bit of music or even a novel or short story or comic and you can go online and you can you can find it. And it's a good chance you can find it. You can on demand, for instance, you can go Automan. Never watched Automan. I've just been given this book. Let's go watch an episode of it. We can get one within 30 seconds, but that's not always a good thing. Yes, because YouTube had only little excerpts of it and the making of documentary which I believe was in the DVD box set now other people at that point might just think ah well let's not bother the universe is telling us something no, but, but that's other people that's not we pop culture centibites here at the <laughs> at Stardom I did briefly get it confused with Nightman which was another um, Glennie Larson series that ran for two years that had Manimal, Andy's favourite <laughs> appearing in the second season so there was a brief moment of utter despair when I thought the show ran for 40 odd episodes yeah. instead it ran for 13 episodes, a mid-season replacement and died, and quite rightly too we watched the third episode via for, Daily Motion via Daily Motion, the uh, website of choice when copyright infringement takes things off YouTube <laughs> and uh, this episode was 46 minutes of our life, now We'd like to point out that we had no alcohol. 
which was a which was a mistake. <laughs> I have to I have to say I'm not talking about getting drunk. I'm just talking about they should have had a beer just to, just to tide us through or possibly some potato juice. Just yes. not a lot. Just just a little bit to take the edge off the way that a bit of paracetamol, bit of paracetamol takes the edge off a particularly nasty headache. Because this episode was one long, awful, dull, tedious. And we did have to break out the, the gifts of joy, the Dairy Milk Winter Wonderland uh, limited edition chocolate bars. Now, they were quite good because yes. if you imagine the chocolate bars, they've been cut in squares or rectangles, it's cut in triangles. And each of those little triangles is either a milk chocolate tree or a white chocolate tree. Very good. What's the whole bar? Yep. Very exciting. So, uh, Ottoman, right. Just it's fucking balls. So this is episode three, The Great Pretender. And so your series concept's already been set up at this point, which is Walters in his computer lab trying to get out and fight crime. The police chief's going, nah nah, fuck off back to your computers, ball bag. And there's an organized bit of an organised crime thing going on with uh, some where paper that was used to print money on was stolen. And it's through organised crime, so trying to get get the guy that does it. So Otto Man finds out all about gangsters and creates a gangster personnel. Oh, 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 you've actually skirted over the one item of joy. We'll just get, we'll come back to the plot. We'll come back to the plot. But you've got the rough just in the episode. Now, now, the joy comes after the despair because it starts off with a a, a sequence that tells you all about automatic TV show. You have the theme tune first. Yes. Then you have effectively a prologue sequence. This takes three minutes and two seconds. Deathless. Then the moment of joy comes on because what's the first thing we see? Optimus Prime. Not in his proper colours, but you see the classic Freightliner that Optimus Prime was based on. So you oh. think, this is going to be good. And this even is a thematic tie-in to the, the voice box of the Optimus Prime that you got. So that was good. Now you can go back to the plot, Andy. So the uh, hijack comes in, they take it. So Automan creates this persona after watching gangster films and absorbing lots of knowledge. And they basically just go around the gangsters' things, hitting, hitting his money supplies while he's trying to pay for the counterfeit, sell the counterfeit uh, paper. And that's, then there's a subplot with the gangsters getting married and is, is to a senator's daughter who doesn't realise he's a gangster, but people keep coming up to her and telling her he's a shady kipper. And it, it ends with him getting caught at his wedding when he's about to marry her and she's like, oh, do you take her? And he says, no, not right now, I'll explain later. And he tries to put some counterfeit money on a, heli- on a helicopter. It all goes wrong. I can't somehow have any enthusiasm for this. Basically, this is shit. This is... Now, I vaguely remember Ottoman back in the day. I don't. I I'm not familiar with Ottoman. I never liked it. I was, of, I was of the opinion, as all right-thinking people are, that Manimal was superior. Mr Burns? I, I have to concede. <laughs> <laughs> I have to concede that, that Manimal... <laughs> Is a better television show than Auto Man, right? Because Manimal is is horseshit, as we all know, Fuck but off. it's nowhere near as dull and tedious and plodding as Auto Man. Because uh, you think about it, th- there should be joy here, right? Because you've got you've got a, co- a computer character who can do anything. He's got a car that goes super fast, but it makes some bloody shitty noise as it goes. It's, it can turn into a helicopter. Yep. You, they, they've got this character called Cursor, the computer cursor, who flies through the air and can. Tra- transform thin air into anything you want. It's like, there's potential there. You could do some hijinks, you could do some excitement. For instance, the end of the episode teases you with the possibility of a dynamic action scene. 
because it shows you clearly the bad guy has a helicopter. It sets up he's got a helicopter. Nothing you says, know, nothing says 1980s TV show than I, villain escaping in helicopter. I, exactly. So you think he's going to escape, and then you go, "Well, hang on a second. Ultraman can turn his car into a helicopter. We know he can do this because he does it at one point in the episode." So you think, "Oh, oh, we got a good bit of the end here where helicopter versus helicopter action, one of which is all like blue and Tron-like." But no, no. It was so bad that while we sat in Andy's bedroom, Andy himself kept having to distract himself with comics and toys and various things to try and give himself some joy. I also did some of this. Susie the dog, you might be able to hear snoring, just gave up and went to lie down on the bed. She couldn't even be arsed to pester us for food. The dog spoke. It's just... He's just a smug and sufferable prick. And what made it worse is there was a scene in a casino where a, a local... Well, it's the, he's basically the the casino table because it's organised crime is gimmicked in favour of the house. Yeah. And he ungimmicks it using his ungimmicking powers of being amazing. And the scene's supposed to be of as interplay of the card play, the roulette, and all that. But instead, it's just tight close-ups of hands and roulette tables and cards, just so inelegantly shot. And then, for some reason, the local harlot wants the Ottoman Bobby. It's bad. It's just, just awful. However, I have found a little gag in the novel. <laughs> yeah, so um, the auto car's done its thing. And Walter's in it. And there's some attendant with a ticket who's watched this. Um, so, yeah, so the auto car gets away. And then it says, The attendant gazed vacantly at the retreating limo spat and returned to his booth to watch the rest of Knight Rider. <laughs> which is a clever in-joke, kids. Because yeah. Knight Rider, which was good, I'll hear nothing against it, was a Glenny Larson show. Yeah. And you can criticise all the versions of Knight Rider that came after, and quite rightly too. Yes. As, as we've kind of said, Christmas is also a time for despair as well as yeah. great joy. So, yes, let's move on let's to, move the, to other, the, the, the other books, which were all, let's say, for The Man from, the Unc- from Uncle, books 5, 6 and 7 in the series. The Mad Scientist Affair, The Vampire Affair, and The Radioactive Camel Affair. Let's look at The Vampire Affair. Okay, so, the body had been drained of blood. Oh. In a remote area of the Transylvanian Alps, an uncle agent has been killed in mysterious circumstances. Man's footprints in the snow led up to the base of a tree where he'd been killed, but there were no pursuing tracks, no clues at all as to what doom had overtaken him. There were only the two small holes in the neck and a complete absence of blood. Napoleon Solo and Ilya Kuryakin didn't believe in vampires. Without investigating their fellow agent's death, they were forced again and again to wonder if perhaps the old terrorist region had more reality than the world would like to, like to think. Sounds okay. No, the thing is, my memories of the man from Uncle are actually less to do with the actual TV show proper, but the um, the edited together TV movies that they used to show in a loop on, on BBC2 basically in fact, to the point where when they actually did eventually do a run of the show proper I never really got into it because I was just so used to these 90 minute episodes bottled together which had the word affair at the end despite not featuring many actual affairs and they were good and they were fun yeah. You know, yeah. I've just put this at a random page and bizarrely in this, a uh, Napoleon Solo has is talking to a, an expert in New York about vampires. Uh, Forrest J. Ackerman, 
who you may know as in Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. Yes, there you go. So Already there's more quality wafting off those pages. Yes. Uh, chapter 8, Begone, you fiend of Satan. <laughs> There's a moment of joy. Oh. I see some reading in this. There is. Oh. And it's someone who's... Uh, I'm just looking at... Uh, Napoleon turned as well as the firm grip... Uh, Turned as well as the firm grip of his guards allowed and nodded at his friends as he introduced them. Hello, Declary, Uncle Technician from the Bucharest office, Zoltan Dracula Stopolzny, the real count of that title, his ancestor you've been doing impressions of, and this is our host, he concluded, addressing the other two, who also does a less successful imitation of a gentleman, as you see. He also do Jimmy Cagney. The host permitted himself a slight, a slight smile. I adopted the role of the Vavod Tepesh because of an accidental physical resemblance and a well developed sense of humour. My real name is an important. You may call me Peter. <laughs> this, said Napoleon to his two fellow prisoners, is Peter unimportant, who is in real life partly something fairly important in an organisation known as Thrush. Thrush! Hilda's face paled, but Zoltan looked puzzled. Ah, Thrush, you can't go wrong with Thrush. I mean, uh, basically, the set of a man from Uncle was. Um, United Network Command for Law Enforcement. Thank you very much, Fighting Evil. Now. Um, what's quite splendid in the, the inside back of the radioactive camel affair yeah. has uh, an advert it says United Network Command for Law Enforcement the man from UNCLE registration form by filling in this form you can become a member of UNCLE and receive an UNCLE membership card send the form to box number 666 <laughs> yes 9 Arlington Street London SW1 but your name your address signature and a stamped addressed envelope, and they send you back a shiny membership card, only for the price of posting it off. That's quite good. See, I, I always liked membership cards from clubs. Uh, I remember um, when the, the the Transformers Collectors Club, who are a vile spawn of crap, uh, came along, and I did drunkenly once sign up for the year's membership of their rather poor the club. I never got a membership card to the postal. I was terribly disappointed because I grew up learning if you earn in something you get a little card you put in your wallet and at any point you can whip it out and show it to people. Yeah. Add your card as well. Ha ha! Oh, um, so yeah, the man from Uncle. So, so these, these are probably good. These these are... As I said, I was more into the, the TV movie edits than the actual show proper but I still have a bit of affection for the man from Uncle due to all those bank holidays as well when they were yep. shown. It was good. Plus Robert Vaughan and the other one, uh, David Callum. You can't remember Steele. Or Dr. Daniel Weston, the Invisible Man. And I loved the Invisible Man. So did that. It was great. So there we go. Um, happy Christmas. So, no, these will actually be be read and joy. As will the Ottoman book, because it sounds like it's actually... Now, the one one good thing has come from the Ottoman book. I see that it was purchased from Oxfam. It's true. So this actually helps some starving kids eat. Probably the only good Ottoman has ever done. Yes. Uh, well, thank you for the gift. Mysterious uh, Stardom correspondence. Mysterious Stardom correspondence. The chocolate was nice. Yes. But she gave us 46 minutes of hell. Yes, and uh, but those books will, will more than make up for it. Indeed. So, uh, before we depart on this unusually short episode, yes. um, do you have a Christmas greeting for, for people out there? Apparently uh, not. I'm not... 
just to preface, I'm not a big Christmas person at the best of times. Well, I'm I'm of the uh, it's just another day type. Because you know what? I buy toys and crap and chocolate and sweets and stuff I shouldn't do every other day of the year. This is true. So on that note of absolute joy, yes. um, Merry Christmas to Nick Roche. Yes, and Merry Christmas to all of you at home too. Yeah, I hope you enjoy whatever you're doing on your Christmas day. And that you enjoy the Doctor Who special. As we Which looks like it might be good this time. Bucking the trend. I'm sorry, but I, I, I am the diehard of diehard Doctor Who fans. But other than the Christmas invasion and bits of a Christmas carol, I have come to expect that yearly, that yearly disappointment of a not very good episode of Doctor Who. Well, snow, the snowman one was alright up to point. It's, it just kind of—it was just kind of there. It wasn't a bad episode. It just sort of—it was just there. It wasn't anything special about it. No. And I'm sorry, but as much as I don't want to see the brains and bits of a lovely young lady spread out across the ground, uh, having fallen from a high height on the Christmas Day special, you don't land from a height as high as the clouds and land on the ground, and you're you're okay. Okay, you, you, she does die later on, but she's not even got a flick of blood. I'm sorry, but do it properly. It's yeah. wrong, it's not realistic. That, that's off there. The, <laughs> who momentarily are chiding me for my apparent lack of Christmas spirit, wanting the kids to be traumatised by basically a pool if of human, human blood and liquefying If pole. you're going to have a scene which is about somebody falling from the height of the clouds, who then dies, which becomes a plot point, because it's impossible that she's supposed to be dead, do it properly. Anyway, this year's Christmas special might be good because being Scottish, we get to have another Scotsman yeah. in the TARDIS. Our second, after the great Sylvester McCoy. It's true. And uh, David Tennant, who I totally <laughs> forgot. <laughs> yes, I am the diehard Doctor who uh, forgot that Pierre Capaldi is the third Scotsman in the TARDIS. I'll tell you why I forgot because, no, I'm sorry, we have to talk about this briefly just to end the podcast. You may recall from Christmas startups last year how we went to see The Nativity 2, Danger in the Manger, a film starring David Tennant. David Tennant, who, we're happy to report, since then has finished his post-Doctor Who phase of appearing in any old shit, and is now back to actually being in good things. He's in the uh, uh, Broad, Broad, Church. Broad Church. He was also... The escape artist thing. Was the escape artist thing. Uh, he was also in... Um, which I think is still running the IAC production of Richard II, yeah. of which I saw a live feed of in the Sydney World about a month ago, and absolutely fantastic, and I very much hope I'm recording of it, because I would buy it, because it was brilliant, and he was very good in it. So, that's sort of, David Tennant's back to being a quality actor again, but between that period, he went through a period of shit, and people like us watch certain shit things, because Doctor fucking Who was in them, and a Scottish Doctor Who, okay. even though I forgot he existed, which makes it more important, as I thump the Ottoman book on my knee, that we watch it. Anyway, at, uh, Phil, the silent member, yep. sent a true friend gift to Andy. Well, it was for the podcast team. Podca- I, but I went to Andy's My mailing address is the one that's used, because the postmen of, postmen of Edinburgh hate Ralph. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a double pack of the DVDs of the two classic, <laughs> classic British Christmas themed comedy films, The Timothy, featuring... Bilbo Baggins yep. and Nativity 2 featuring the 10th Doctor Who and the Metacrisis Doctor and, and, indeed <laughs> we, 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 went, we went to watch them and uh, the the gift was, was was passed on to my lovely other half yes because she'd mentioned she hadn't seen them and wanted to it's Bob's case of Phil we've already seen them one in the cinema one on DVD so for the purpose of the podcast I must report that 
I, showing my true love for dedication, <laughs> I've watched these films again, <laughs> thanks to my other half. Actually, the second one was because, uh, as we all know, the best Christmas film ever made is Die Hard. It is. You could, uh, it's the best Christmas film ever made is Die Hard. Just shut up. It's a tough call. Shut I, up. That, you, it is. That Christmas Carol. That's up there, but it's not the best. Die Hard, Die Hard trumps it, because it's got violence and death and guns in it. Okay? Robert Christmas Carol had a bit of death in it. Violence. I heard that Gonzo win it, you'd be on it when otherwise, sorry, <laughs> Gonzo drums violence. <laughs> I'm not sure I could cope with Gonzo swearing. Anyway. You'd be a guy here. That'd be amazing. No. Just have him weaking down the fire of the fire hose. You'd be a guy here, motherfucker. I don't have that image in my head, no. actually. No, you'd be a guy Muppet fucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yes. Um, yeah, anyway, Diehards as a forfeit. Having already been subjected to a part of Nativity again, I had to watch Nativity 2. So, my new review of Nativity 2 is, has it improved in a second viewing? No! <laughs> Especially when you have to watch the deleted scenes as well! Shit that wasn't good enough to get in the film first time round. So should... What's even worse is, the DVD starts off with a teaser for Nativity 3 coming Christmas 2014. Does it show you any footage? No, what? it's just basically announcing the title, Nativity 3, December 2014. Because they haven't started making it yet. Who's going to be in it all? haven't wrote some poor bastard into it. Do you think they might do like a Three Doctors thing, where they get some, whoever it is in the third one, and then they have a bit where he teams up with uh, the Tenth Doctor and Bilbo Baggins from 1 and 2 uh, to save Christmas? I can't see it because Bilbo would be too busy doing Sherlock. I know, but you have to remember, these are actually charity films. They're mm-hmm. national lottery charity films, so people are probably doing them for a, a reduced fee. Probably not a long shooting schedule. There's a possibility. But who will be the... the he will be the star of the third one to star alongside um, Sex Offender Teaching Assistant. I'm not sure. Who could it be? It's not going to be Matt Smith because he's doing the American Psycho musical. Will be. It's not Matt Smith. It's not going to be Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. That's too obvious. But it has to be somebody who's kind of like famous but got a little gap before or after. I don't know. Something British. Kind of a little bit of a Dutch, but... The only, the only way you'll catch me at the cinema at that is if they somehow rope the Statham in. Which reminds me, there's actually a trailer on the DVD for Romeo and Juliet, the gnome-based comedy which features the voice of it's Jason Statham. A future film you'll have to watch. Indeed, because I just have the Statham in it. Haven't said that. I, I, last year's, this year's Statham films haven't been good. He said he'd been to three films. Uh, Hummingbird, which didn't get a theatrical release, despite them showing trailers for it in Tiny World. You had Parker, which he teamed up with Sarah Jessica Parker from... Uh, Sex and the City, and it is awful. The only bit of joy is the bit where Statham tries to kill someone with a toilet. That's it. Just get that scene. Bit of bad. Homefront. This film was out last week. Sylvester Stallone wrote it. It's not really good. It's quite poor. It's only Expendables 3 next year. <sighs> joy is coming. Um, so course, yeah. And of course the inevitable Batman The Dark Knight Returns starring Jason Statham. That's true. If belief is enough, I will make this film happen. Perhaps that could be your Christmas wish. You close is- your eyes. He had actually closing his eyes. He's squeezing them tight. He's got his fists. I want that with Danny Dyer as Robin. <laughs> I believe in criminal scuffles. <laughs> Speaking of YouTube, please go to YouTube and type in Danny Dyer, I believe in UFOs. We will probably do this on another podcast because it's worth mentioning. It is the single best documentary that BBC3 has ever put out. That's which true. isn't saying a lot because BBC documentaries are normally shite. This thing, however, is about 50 minutes of absolute comedy gold 
from start to finish because he's not a mug but he does believe in what's out there it's true um, that, that could be our Christmas gift to you the listeners by giving you something to look up and watch if you're feeling corpulent during the holidays because you're too hopped up in alcohol and stuff or if you're someone who chooses not to drink and you're just hopped up in too much caffeine or sugar that's also acceptable so at this point because we're getting a wee bit rambly rambly yep. we're going to stop Yes, we'll be back sometime in the new year with a uh, regular schedule. We will hope to finally have at some point the long-delayed Trial of the Time Lord special. special. Uh, especially as we now have the both the Target audio ones and the Trial of the Valleyard Big Finish special. Look forward to more Valleyard goodness. Yes, hopefully it's the first of many, as people suddenly realise he was the sensational character find of 2000 and of 1986. Well, as Michael Jason, who played the Valyard, points out in a lot of interview snippets on Trial of a, Va- Trial of a Valyard, he is one of the official doctors. Yep. Anyway, enough. Goodbye. Farewell. <laughs>